Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and joining me on this episode is Elvin Turner, Executive Innovation Coach over at Elvin Turner and Associates Limited, a consultancy specializing in organizational and people innovation and culture change. Elvin is also an MBA Associate Lecturer, teaching innovation and entrepreneurship at the University of Surrey. Elvin's experience extends from working with tech startups to coaching seasoned leadership teams. His latest book is Be Less Zombie, How Great Companies Create Dynamic Innovation, Fearless Leadership and Passionate People, which was a finalist in the Business Book Awards in 2021. Elvin Turner, welcome to the HR Chat Show. Thank you. Good to be here, Bill. So, Elvin, beyond my reintroduction there, why don't you start by taking a minute or so and introducing yourself to our listeners? Yeah, so um, most of my work involves helping leadership teams to figure out what comes next and how do we create an environment where innovation can show up sustainably. And I'm not necessarily talking about the environment and eco stuff there. It's how do you turn innovation on and keep it switched on so that we can continually define and create competitive advantage um, as part of business as usual, which most companies, in my experience, currently struggle with. Fountain's all-in-one high-volume hiring platform empowers the world's leading enterprises to find the right people through smart, fast, and seamless recruiting. Candidates can apply anytime, anywhere in minutes, right from their phone. Automated and customizable processes streamline the candidate experience and save time for recruitment teams so they can scale with growing hiring needs. Advanced analytics provide end-to-end process visibility so managers can make swift, data-driven decisions. Learn more at fountain.com. You say in your book, which is called Be Less Zombie, How Great Companies Create Dynamic Innovation, Fearless Leadership and Passionate people that innovation is an argument with the status quo how does an organization therefore go go about making it a fair fight yeah it's a good point because often it isn't a fair fight the status quo dominates all of the resources it's all about delivery today usually at the expense of designing tomorrow and the key is trying to do both well how do we deliver today and design tomorrow and a lot of that starts from well what does our strategy say um You know, usually when we look to the future, there is a destination we're going to try to get to, which if we just keep doing what we're doing today, we're not going to get there. So the gap between those two places defines the innovation agenda. Um, And when a a leadership team in particular is deliberate about saying, "Okay, so there are innovation priorities. How now do we trickle those down across the organization and give ownership to delivering those those innovation priorities to teams and resource them well and create the context in which they can all that those things can happen that's where the balance starts to show up and i guess to many listeners people will say yeah great pipe dream yeah we know all about companies that do that like (laughs) there's not many of them around it is possible um through a a deliberate and systemic approach to innovation Um, so it's the challenge that most companies uh, are struggling with designing today whilst delivering sorry uh, delivering today whilst designing tomorrow 
but it, it's one that, that you have to overcome if you're going to survive um, beyond the short term these days. Wonderful. Thank you. And by the way, listeners, I should just mention, uh, many of you may know that I also host a show for uh, for the Brits uh, called HR in Review. Um, I have interviewed Elwin on that show too. So depending on the published dates, it'll already either be live or it'll be coming live soon. So there's, there's almost like a, to- a part two to this chat. And Elwin's got so much information to distill, uh, loads of amazing tips. I would recommend checking that one out as well. Anyway, back to the conversation today. Elwin, innovation tends to mean either products, technology or marketing for most people. Do you see great innovators applying innovation to any less obvious areas? If you go behind the scenes, which is what I did when I wrote the book, I went behind the scenes of some of the world's leading innovators in all sectors. So it's, you know, the Netflixes, the Pixars, the Philips, you know, the the organisations that are consistently innovating. And you look at what they're focusing on, then of course they're looking at products and technology and all the things that, that we would normally stereotype around innovation. But they're looking at anything that moves should be a target for innovation. If there's anything in our organization that we sufficiently value, that we are resourcing it, that we've invited it into our company and we're paying for it to be there, then why wouldn't we be looking at the speed and scope of change around that thing? Because things are changing all of the time. Sooner or later, there will be a better way of doing everything that we do, or many, many things at least. Why would we not look at everything inside the organization and think of it as a target for potential innovation. Now you've got to prioritize, obviously, but it's it's looking at that, what we do and how we do it. And often we just focus on the what, less about the how, which is why you end up with organizations with IT systems that are 22, 20 years too old. And then the rest of the organization is buckle, buckling, trying to get things done. And it takes six months to get on IT's list, you know, to get something moving. So it's that continual kind of um, flow between who do we need to become tomorrow versus who are we today and what do we need to take to stay relevant to the market and how do we show up as the most relevant organization because we've been deliberate about innovating how we work, who we are. And it's that bifocal approach to innovation that keeps health pulsing through the organization. It's renewal of what we do. It's renewal of who we are and how we go to market. So does that mean that when you're working with companies, Alvin, you you kind of have almost a a Simon Sinek conversation with them to to get at their why? Because if a company doesn't understand their why, their their raison d'etre, their their overall mission, the mission that's going to keep that company going maybe for 100 years after employees come and go, um, uh, if, if, if they don't understand what that is, can they really get at innovation? Can they really make the, those changes? Well, I, I think they can, but I think sometimes we have other things creeping in to steal innovation resources that aren't narrowly defined to the why. And I think it's, you know, the, the, the next one of the books I'm working on at the moment is, is looking at, you know, a bigger why, a better what, a smarter how. And the bigger why is, what's the point of us? What value do we create for customers? How is that? How has that tracked over time? And how is the delivery of that value, that progress that customers buy us for in their lives, how is that likely to change based on technology and trends that are coming from the future? Because sooner or later, someone somewhere will figure out a better way of serving our customers than we're currently doing today. Do we want that to be us? 
And that's really the nub of the why question. You know, what will make us relevant beyond today? It's the, it's the, my, my definition of innovation is the continuous pursuit of profitable relevance. If we're not doing that, we're investing in ultimate decline. And unfortunately, what we find in organizations that are, are not deliberate enough about their innovation is that people's pet ideas or ideas that really haven't been tested very hard end up in the innovation development process. And we spend lots of money on things that actually don't really succeed. 90% of products still fail, new, new product launches. Um, we're, we're, we're throwing you know, good money away, uh, good money after bad uh, on many, many cases. So it's, it's really important, actually, the point that you make that we come back to the why and why we will continue to be relevant in the future. We, we just so often allow that to fall off of the edge of the, of the table when it comes to strategic discussions, or we pay lip service to it because we've got a poster about it in reception. Mintz Global Screening is a leading provider of background screening solutions. Customers rely on their professional teams to provide them with vital intel to make informed business decisions on a candidate's suitability or risk level. Their bilingual specialists are highly trained and adept at finding the information necessary to manage your risks and avoid losses. Learn more at mintsglobalscreening.com. Well, if you've got a poster, then you've got to live by it, basically. That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we'll get into more details in just a sec, but um, I'd love to get a bit of a shout out from you, actually. Um, are, there, are there any companies that you think are, are, are doing it particularly well, uh, innovating in, in awesome fashions? Perhaps companies that you work with, perhaps others that you've seen out there who are, who are doing, doing it right. If so, maybe you can just do a shout out to a few of them in under a minute, so maybe don't spend too much time on why they're doing it right. Yeah, sure. So companies that certainly the companies that I've paid close attention to, at least um, Netflix has a lot of good stuff. A lot, the, the way they think about creating new value, I think, is very healthy. I'm not going to advocate everything they do. And they're having a bit of a blip at the moment, but their operating system around the pursuit of relevance, I think, is, is very healthy. Um, Patagonia. I mean, you look at some companies who have been innovating. Um, consistently for years um, whether they're the flavor of the month in the stock market or um, you know the, the hot lists 3m um, Patagonia you know they've been in the news for different reasons reasons lately Adobe I think are good um, the way that they they think about continually expanding how they solve their customers problems and the acquisitions that they're doing um, yeah there's 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 a lot out there I think they're few and far between and I would also say with the exception of the ones that I've just talked about, they, the innovation often goes in seasons. So I've worked quite a lot in the music industry and with some of the major record labels, and you see inside of them seasons where innovation is hot and then it kind of goes off the boil again and a new CEO comes in perhaps and it's less of a priority. And then three years later, we're playing catch up again and innovation is hot again. And it's um, the companies that do it well know that this is something that we cannot switch off. There's a metric against it. There's a number against it. And we design as leaders the right context in which great ideas can show up. Pretty good answer. Pretty good answer. Okay. Is, is there one thing that an organization can change that makes the biggest difference to more innovation showing up? Well, well, it depends on the level. At a strategic level, 
ideally what you're doing is you're building um, a, a systemic approach to innovation, which actually isn't as complicated as it sounds. And at the heart of that system, you've got a metric, which is really a renewal metric. So I, I mentioned three MGs now. I really love the way they think about it, which is, um, now I'm gonna get this right. It's every, um, every year, 30% of revenues need to come from products that didn't exist four years ago. Now that puts a demand on the rest of the organization to organize itself in a way that it's not only focusing on today because quite a big chunk of today's revenue needs to come from things um, that we innovated on one, two, three, four years ago. So it, it builds in a, 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 um, an accountability for innovation in a really healthy way because it's not just hit that number, it's okay, and the leaders know in order for that number to really show up sustainably, I need to take my part in creating an environment where people are resourced and confident and safe to try things that will allow that level of innovation to show up. So at a strategic level, it's all about a metric because it causes lots of other things to fall into place. At a tactical level, I would say, teach people to run tiny experiments when they have a new idea rather than having to spend lots of money um, on, a, on a brand new idea because that massively, you know, if the first step of designing a new idea or running a new idea is a 50k pilot that creates a lot of politics that creates a lot of um, fear around it whereas if we're starting with a point of i've got this idea it's probably wrong it's bold but if it was right it would be a game changer if my first step is well let's just test one of the biggest assumptions behind this first to check whether it's right and we're just going to spend 500 dollars on a little test no one gets fired for spending five hundred dollars because if it turns out to be wrong, who cares? We learned not to spend that fifty k. It's 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 all good. It's win win. When you shrink the the first step towards a bold idea, you shrink the risk, you lower the stakes, you increase the confidence of individuals and teams of the whole organization to pursue bolder ideas that we never would have done otherwise. So if you're starting at a different point in the organization, maybe at a team level. Go and look up things like Lean Startup. Get my book and read chapter 29, which is called If You Only Read One Chapter. It's all about how to design experiments that change everything. That's a pretty seamless plug there, Elvin. Good work. Good work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are, we're coming towards the end of this particular interview. I do want to ask you a couple more questions before we do wrap up. Um, you've worked closely with a lot of CEOs and senior executives, of course, in your career. What distinguishes the ones who create the most innovative cultures around them and please answer in 60 seconds or less okay so for me the word stewardship is key that there's a stewardship mindset in these people and the mindset kind of run, runs along these lines it's am i creating health today and health tomorrow versus just the pursuit of the share price because the reality is the pursuit of relevance tomorrow is all about the degree to which i'm prepared to sponsor it because the status quo wins every fight in the uh, in, in the organization usually innovation is an argument with the status quo tomorrow won't show up unless as a leader i recognize my unique role to be able to open some doors shut some things down make some tough decisions in service of the stewardship of today and tomorrow so when i see leaders who are really up for that conversation i get excited 
Okay, I think you had about eight seconds to spare there. Good work. Uh, and again, in 60 seconds or less, I know that you you have a particular soft spot, Elvin, for talent and L&D managers when it comes to creating that culture of innovation. Uh, what's the story there in 60 seconds or less? Well, I, I've met some really great talent executives and L&D people. And what I see them doing is, is forming what I call dangerous, healthy habits. It's putting tools in the hands of people that, that cause healthy conversations to happen that really lead to innovation outcomes. So particularly teaching people how to design great questions that define reality and pull forward innovation, you know, organizational health. So questions like, what choices do tomorrow's customers want me, want us to make today and what stops us? Well, what are the unintended consequences of our most important processes and, and metrics? And often we don't ask these questions, but sometimes they're the biggest inhibitors of, of innovation. So when I see great talent people planting things inside cohorts that they can't unsee, <laughs> I love that, asking great questions, teaching them how to run experiments so that when we do pursue a question, we've got a very safe and fast and, and cheap way to pursue their answers. They can be some of the most important cultural um, change agents that, that I've ever come across. It sounds like your dog agrees with you, Elvin. Okay, and just finally for today, how can our listeners connect with and learn more about you? Um, the best place to find me is elvinturner.com. You can find uh, contact details there. You could find Be Less Zombie on Amazon or actually in any, any bookstore. Um, fairly easy to find. Um, and yeah, LinkedIn, look for me on LinkedIn. There aren't many Elvin Turners on LinkedIn, so you can find me on there too. Perfect. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Elvin, I enjoy chatting with you. You're all right. We should do this again on a, on a regular basis. But for now, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you, Bill. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media.